Hello, Jason. Hello, Tyler. <laughs> How are you today? I'm so disappointed in your <laughs> your full name. <laughs> uh, so I have a question for you. I hope I have an answer. How about this weather? I am over it. Yeah. I love it. I love the winter. I love four seasons. So I'm a big fan of of snow in January. Uh, I, right. I I I will I, I will uh, I will yield my my time to the good gentleman from Washington, Pennsylvania. So I have a, a few uh, anecdotes to how particularly miserable for me this winter season has been. My general approach to life is that snow is acceptable from December first until December twenty seventh. Ooh. You can have a couple of days of Christmas, and then after that. So, so December, there's you can only have snow during six days of actual winter. Yeah, by your logic. Yeah, because oh, it's not winter until December twenty first. That yeah, no, I don't want any part of it. Uh, so humorous story number one. Uh, I am a member now of the. Wait, wa- you don't even like snow through Epiphany? No, like you won't even go January seventh. No. no. Wow. I don't want snow at all. Uh, there's I, a place. There's a place you can live where that is the reality. Please hold. Anywhere that's not. Please hold, because it's coming. Uh, it's a part of my stories. Uh, so the first one, I am now a proud member of Washington Presbytery, wherein I am one of the few uh, pastors under the age of 40, which means that I am in charge of everything technological. Uh, so the other day, what was this? It have been back in January. Uh, we were to have a, a, a presbytery meeting on Zoom, and they needed somebody to help uh, uh, run the technology of the Zoom presbytery meeting. So first of all, we had a rehearsal presbytery meeting. Nothing against my current presbytery, but you don't know the depths of boredom in your soul until you have tried to rehearse for a presbytery meeting. Not the meeting itself, the rehearsal. To, to those who've never been to a presbytery meeting, imagine a meeting <laughs> and then imagine one that's more boring than that. <laughs> It's not the fault of any particular presbytery. They just no, all, that's no. the. It's, wait, I do want to put in there too. I love presbytery meetings. I do too. I love them. I, I love, love going. Them. I love sitting yeah. in the back and passing notes with my friends. That is the yeah. the epitome of presbytery meetings. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, it's good. It's fine. Uh, Saturday comes, the day of the presbytery meeting, and I've decided that I have this lovely office here where it's nice and quiet, and then I have my home office where the boys have turned the room just outside my office into their hockey rink. And so any attempt to focus on a Saturday afternoon is just wasted. So I'm going to get up and drive to my office here at Laboratory to run the Zoom session meeting. The roads were fine when I left. (laughs) But as I'm driving, I'm noticing more and more snow falling and accumulating on Route 19. The truck in front of me starts fishtailing on 19. And I'm a wuss about driving in the snow, which might be 98% of my disdain for this horrid season. Yeah, that that's a there's a, a huge wrench you're throwing into the the general argument that I have against being against snow. Right. If if I could just sit inside and look at it, great. Driving on it, no. So then I start fishtailing, and at one point my vehicle was completely sideways coming down 19. Hey, nice. So I pulled over to the uh, Tim Hortons on 19 hot spotted my phone and ran the presbytery meeting from my parked car at a gas station they have a tim hortons on 19 they do it's a tiny little one at a gas station that's what i took out of that story (laughs) that's that's all you needed to but then wednesday (laughs) 
last Wednesday, I uh, I came up here to the church, did work, did a live stream. We've been doing those uh, weekly live jams on Wednesday nights, 630. Tune yep. in. Uh, I'll throw a little ad in here. I finished the live jam, and the roads were covered again. And I was actually stuck at the church until 1130 on Wednesday night. I sat in my office watching Batman Returns on HBO Max, which that's a delightfully weird movie that still holds up. Like it's yeah, just and so it's a weird. great movie to watch when it's snowy. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. It was yeah. perfect. It was just it's like perfect. it's like like uh, so Tim Burton did Batman, which was pretty regular for Tim Burton. Like it's pretty weird for Batman, but pretty regular for Tim Burton, and it was a huge hit. And then you could tell with that one, they were like they took the leash off and they're like just go for it. And he's like, oh, I will. Like and it's so it's basically <laughs> okay if uh, if Batman had a baby with. Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah, and Edward Scissorhands. Like it's all, it's the, it's a very Tim Burton movie. Whereas the first Batman, you can see Tim Burton embellishments in it, but it's more of a kind of, it you, it's not as as obvious. No. But then, man, Batman Returns is is a Tim Burton capital T capital B movie. Yep, yep, and it's great and weird. It's and so it's, great and weird. It's super weird. The 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 line that caught me even in it was uh when the penguin, spoiler alert to anybody who hasn't seen this movie from the what 1980s. Yeah. Uh yeah. when penguin puts the umbrella around Catwoman's neck and she starts flying away and he very calmly says, "Goodbye, my sweet. Go to heaven." And it's like, "What? What? What? Why would you wish that on somebody you just killed? Like I don't understand that yeah. at all." That, yeah. Oh. And then suddenly uh um, Christopher Walken's in that movie. Oh yes, he is. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like walking it up. He is, <laughs> he is bringing it yeah. all the way. Max and bringing it all the way. What I mean, like the most, the most Tim uh, Christopher Walken you get is a Christopher Walken that feels like he has not read the script. No, and like, <laughs> and just and made it very clear to everyone, I'm not going to read the script. No. I'm just going to show up and I'm just going to react. I'm and, not acting in that movie. Yeah, in that movie, he is. He does not care what's going on no. in the rest of the movie. He is just showing up with a white wig on. That was the first thing I ever saw Christopher walking in. Yeah. And I remember thinking, who is this guy? Super weird. And what is this movie? Uh, it was 11 years old. Yeah. Uh, the, so the commuting thing definitely, yeah. definitely changes stuff. I did an hour and a half commute when we first moved up here. Um every day and that was no fun and it was uh in the it was an hour north uh kind of opposite of your trajectory or 45 minutes north and 45 minutes back and um and when you are going outside of the county basically the weather changes too so the weather in washington is not indicative of the weather uh in the south hills where you are and the weather in um in new wilmington was not indicative of the weather in the north hills where i am so oftentimes you're driving there, the weather may be fine at home, uh, but it's bad where you're going, and you don't necessarily think to check the weather right. at your destination. You just think, oh, yeah, 45 minutes. Every, everywhere within driving distance of me is going to be the same kind of weather. Well, so now I had uh, – this is the level of crazy I am with snow driving. Uh, in my office, I have a two-screen little setup, uh, and on one screen was Batman Returns. On the other screen, I had four – windows open all at the same time with four different traffic cams on 79 oh man from laboratory up to bridgeville where i usually get off yeah uh, just to see and then i watched an accident happen in real time and i was like i'm not ready to go yet really not ready to go yeah Yeah. i also uh 
I kind of like driving in the snow. Oh, you're terrible. Uh, you're horrible here. I mean, that's the wrong thing to say. I don't like it, but I don't not like it. I think that that's the way. Like, I don't prefer it. I don't think, oh, great, it's snowing. But when it's snowing, I don't think, huh, I don't think I could do this. Like, I, I don't get nervous driving in snow. I kind of like it. Because I, <laughs> I, I feel like I can react to it well. I Like, when I... When I fished, I don't like the ice as much, right? Because the ice is harder, but snow, I have a, I have a sense of what it feels like, and a sense of, like I feel like that's one of the few little, um, little above average skills that Tyler has is snow driving. Because I've had to drive a lot of things in the snow, a lot of kids in the snow, and big vehicles in the snow, and um, it's it's one of the few things that I feel relatively responsive to. So I kind of I enjoy that. But I, it's still, to have to do it on a regular basis would be no fun. It's no fun. And I, yeah. I even recognize fully that driving in the snow is 98% a mental game. Like, if you're confident about it, yeah. you're fine. Oh, yeah. I'm yep. just not confident about it, and I know that. And I have no desire to actually get confident about it, so... The hard, the scariest thing to me about driving in the snow is other drivers. Yes. Because people lose their minds. Yeah. And, uh... And I, I mean, that feeling of going sideways in a car is is uh, very scary. It's disconcerting. Uh, when we, were, when we were in seminary, uh, my friend Chip Stapleton and I, uh, who were in seminary, we were in seminary together. We would commute, and that was another hour and a half commute. And we were driving on a on a divided highway, like a four lane uh, highway with like the the berm in the middle. And uh, we hit a patch of ice and spun around. I think probably like eight times, Ugh. and spun through like off the road through the berm in the middle onto the other side of this four lane and and came to a stop like spun and there's tra- there cars coming at us and then came to a stop facing the other direction on the far side of the road like we somehow didn't flip didn't hit because we went down yeah. and then up and didn't hit any other cars a semi was coming at us and then ended safely at the other side of the thing enough that we just kind of go and yeah. then just start driving <laughs> Huh. You have to drive, and I can't remember how we got. I don't know if we didn't drive back through the middle because it was all snowy, but we somehow got back to where we should have been. I think we just turned around and <laughs> took got off on the next. I, I guess we're going this way now. Uh, yeah, but so but it was one of those things where where uh, it's it's like when when something is happening enough that in the moment you have you have the frame of mind to say, "Wow, this is happening right now." Like you are thinking, yeah of how this w- this is weird that you are realizing that it's happening in the moment because it feels like ju- it, it feels like something that should be like oh i fell or ooh something happened real quick but then it keeps happening for the next like 15 seconds and you just keep thinking wow this is still happening wow <laughs> like you're looking around you're like yeah. wow we're still we're we're probably going to die but i'm very aware of that and maybe we won't die and oh that yeah we're going to die oh uh, no i guess we're not wow we didn't die like that it, it just this whole weird experience of being very aware of what's happening at the so, time so run me through what you like about snow driving again <laughs> oh, i love it <laughs> i think that's the other thing too is that the 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 first and only real accident i ever got in uh i was 16 or 17 i just started driving and uh i was it was in the slush and i went to stop and uh couldn't uh no a, a car in front of me had stopped uh, and then I was stopping and like kind of fishtailed, fishtailed, fishtailed and kind of got control of stuff and was able to stop before the car like stopped probably a foot short of it and was like, whew, and then the car behind me hit me. <laughs> uh, but it was like, I think having to, uh, having experienced 
accidents. That plus the, the other one. Having been through those situations and not like, hey, I lived through it so I could do anything, but like knowing what it's what the badness is like uh, didn't make me more um, cavalier about it, but it did give me a good sense of like, oh, this is what it feels like when the car is out of control. Yeah. And so as soon as you start to feel like that, then you respond. So it gave me a, a better sensitivity, I think, to that. And I just also just like the snow. So I think it's, I like that it's a, I like that a snowstorm is often very quiet. Yes. Like you can get, unless the wind is really whipping, like you can get four inches of snow and all you hear is kind of this light rustling. Like it's very peaceful. It's not like a thunderstorm or like a flash flood or something like that. Like driving in the rain is a lot more stressful. Uh, I feel like driving in the snow is usually beautiful at the same time. So there's kind of that duality of the, of the beauty and the danger. Uh, I will say I, like I have in the pandemic uh, taken, and maybe these are episodes to come in the future, uh, taken up occasional debauchery is what I've been calling it, uh, of smoking a cigar every now and again ah. and having some whiskey every now and again. Uh, there is nothing better. My lovely low grade debauchery, low grade debauchery, low grade occasional debauchery. Uh, I, I, but my wife makes me smoke out on the porch. There is nothing better than that scenario you just described with this falling snow and the quiet and just sitting outside. Mm. It's very peaceful. Very peaceful indeed. But that said, that night that I was stuck here at the church till 1130, kind of jokingly, was looking at pastoral jobs in Florida. Oh. Just kind of, just kind of jokingly. Because I think, and this again could be another topic for another day, but I think I would thrive as Florida man. I think it's. Oh man, how do you, how are you on humidity? I'm fine with it. Oh well, then you're fine. I don't uh, care. Yeah, go for it. I don't. Care. I hate it. Every every negative feeling you have towards snow, uh-huh. I have that towards. I can't handle it. I am the biggest, like I'm insufferable, even more than usual. Yeah. Like it's 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 overwhelming, and I, I I can't even handle myself. I sweat like a it's, pig. That's why God gave us multiple shirts. Just gross. switch it throughout no, the day. That's fine. That's what snow is for. Like, that's why God gave us sweatshirts. We can just keep putting stuff on. You can only take so much off. I would yeah. like to live somewhere that is perpetually fall. I don't know how that's yeah. possible. It's called Seattle. Yeah, see? Yeah. Mr. That's Bradford, we we're coming Indeed. for you. <laughs> All right, well, with that, I'm Tyler. And I'm Jay. And this is Roughing the Pastor. Hold. Hello, this is Jay. I have not. Where are they? Okay. Ah, thank you. Bye. You need to do that right now? No. Uh, that uh, maybe maybe you want to just leave that in. That was a lovely church lady telling me where the ashes were. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Jay, have you, what is the last thing that you learned how to do? Where you feel like I spent this, like I, like I, I worked on it, it was a skill that I didn't have that I set out to have, and now I can do it. I mean, there, uh, there are songs that I learned to play on guitar that I didn't know how to play. But that's like, that's enhancing a skill. You're talking from like dead stop, I did not know how to do this, now I do. Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, and there definitely were things like that. Like, when did you learn how to play guitar? I started learning in like ninth grade. What made you learn? Uh, what made you start? They had at my school a guitar class, and there was a cute girl in it. What? Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So the drummer uh, went to guitar class, and then I found out about Dave Grohl, and one thing led to another. Yeah. The drummer became the lead singer of Tree Ah. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. You were the drummer for Tree Anthem at first? No, I was I was the oh, drummer okay. for my bands in high school and college. Yeah, yeah. And I switched over to guitar. Yeah. Incidentally, side note, the new Foo Fighters album, two thumbs up. Oh, nice. One of them's holding coffee right now, so you can see the second thumb, but two yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, I only it's, saw one thumb. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. I've, I've heard it was good, but I think that was Foo Fighters telling me it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing ads for them saying, we worked really hard on this. You should try it out. <laughs> Uh, Man, I'm trying to it think is like good. just I, straight skill. I, I want to say, as you're thinking about that, I do want to comment on uh, kind of a recurring question that we have is what, where is rock music is kind of the recurring question that we've discovered over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think the the best we can point to is Foo Fighters. Yep. And we not necessarily talking about indie rock or things like that. Like there are, there are enclaves of rock, but where rock music used to be the foundational underpinning of pop music yep. was rock yep. and it is shifted to hip-hop which is totally fine uh and actually pretty neat because hip-hop is a lot more diy and and at least nowadays because rock became so produced but rock bands uh, on the whole that are like purely rock bands yeah. are in they're very much a dying breed and uh have moved out of the mainstream and and while foo fighters is probably not mainstream anymore they are definitely I mean, they're they're mainstream, but not in the youth culture, right, not in the right. in the eighteen to thirty four demo. But they uh, they're definitely a band that people they're not like U two or even Coldplay at this point that are of a bygone era, right? Um, so much like no, Foo Fighters can still put out an album and people get excited about it. I I know because I was kvetching about this last year too on the podcast. I believe that mm-hmm. this is at least year two of Super Bowl halftime shows where there was not one guitar present in the in the. Is that the place for it, though? I it's and that's a real question. I mean, I know that's a leading question, but no, this is of all the places to miss the guitar. I'm not. I don't necessarily think at a super uh, a Super Bowl halftime is should be a rock show necessarily. This is should be spectacle. This is the opening salvo, I think, in my old man grumpiness that like back yeah. in my day, stadium rock was you know, Aerosmith yeah. playing the halftime at the Super Bowl. Right, like literal stadium. Yeah, but you know rock. who was with them when they played it? What's that? In sync and Britney yeah. Spears were with them on stage. In the but scene. at least they gave me that was Aerosmith. Good, that was a good <laughs> yeah, that's true. Aerosmith was a rock band. Too. Yeah, like that's a. I think this came out of the uh, the discussion about uh, the rock and roller coaster at Disney World, mm-hmm. and how it is featuring Aerosmith, and how Aerosmith is is they're old old men at this point, and they were old men at that point, but. Like how who replaces them, and we couldn't think of one. And at one point, we thought maybe it would be 
U2, but U2 is only slightly younger yeah. than Aerosmith. Like, that would have been a good replacement 10 years ago. And I think we landed on ago. Foo Fighters. Like, it's, if you want to. I think that was the closest If you one, want yeah. a pure, like, stadium rock band, it's yeah. Foo Fighters. I am very much of the mind, in terms of Super Bowl halftime show, I am of the mind that uh, it is spectacle. I mean, the, I think that the best one ever was the Prince halftime yeah. show, which was straight up a rock show. Without question. Uh, and the the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers one was really good. Uh, Bruce Springsteen one was really good. Like, there have been rock, like straight rock shows that have been really good. But I feel like the Katy Perry one was it kind of exactly what you want from a halftime show. Like, it was big and dumb and stupid, and it was fun and colorful and, and goofy with pop songs. that are like, oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. Like, it, and Dancing Sharks. Like, that. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of – that one made sense, and – I don't even know. So, oh my, I didn't watch the Super Bowl at all this year. Really? For the first time in my life, I didn't watch any of it. You didn't miss much. I just watched WandaVision, which was a great decision. We will I do. We very, will be doing yeah. an episode on WandaVision. Oh uh, man, yeah, we gotta wait until it finishes. Are you are you caught up? I'm totally caught up. I, I watch oh, them man. like the minute they come yeah. out. Uh, there are three more episodes at, at the time of this recording because there's going to be nine episodes total. I six, think eight, that's true. Eight. Yeah, yeah, eight or nine episodes. I know that they're done on the first of March. Yep. is the last one. I will just say yeah. this because we are going to do an episode, but the first three oh. episodes of that, I haven't felt that way around TV since I first watched Lost. Of like, yes, yes, something's happening. It's compelling, but I don't know what it is, or yeah. or w- w- I. I'm on a ride right now. I don't know what's going yeah. on, but yeah. I love it. Uh, it totally feels like Lost. At some point, we need to talk about Lost. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I think we've all forgotten how great a ride that was. Oh. Even if at the end people were like, I didn't like the way it ended. It's like, that's not the point. Right. Like, it's not. The, the, it's a roller coaster. Roller coasters are not about the end. They're about the ride. Yeah. And this, I think it was at the, in that, uh, at the end of the first episode, which is pretty straightforward uh, as a sitcom. Yep. And it's and really confusing. And then at the very end, it like pans back, and then you see someone's watching them on a TV and like taking notes, and you're like, "Oh, just like Lost, uh-huh. like in the bunker," uh-huh. and uh, and that's it. So, uh-huh. like, so that was my Super Bowl, and so my Super Bowl halftime was me getting up and getting some more Doritos in between episodes four and five of <laughs> WandaVision. And I should say, for for all my kvetching about rock and roll being missing at the halftime show, I was particularly uh, I enjoyed the weekend. Uh, and and the halftime show. Oh, what'd you do? No, no, the the musical artist, <laughs> the weekend. Uh, I. <laughs> uh, that was a good show. I do like zeitgeisty moments. Yeah. I like kind of monoculture when it happens. It never happens anymore. Where kind of everyone experiences something together, uh, which is what was so great about Lost. Um, but uh, the Super Bowl is kind of one of the few times that we get that. The Olympics are kind of like that. Uh, there's a, a couple. The Academy Awards, to a lesser degree, are like that. And, yeah. And uh, I just kind of missed out on it. I, I, in retrospect, I probably would watch it. I just was tired and didn't regret it at the time. Yeah. That we got on the Super Bowl because of rock music. Right. Because you you became Dave Grohl. I did become Dave Grohl. Yes. Yeah. What did I yeah. What did I learn uh, recently? I still don't know if I have a good answer to that because I've been too busy. I think every pastor yeah. everywhere has learned how to be a live streaming movie producer. Yeah. In the last couple months, that's been a not last couple months, a year. We're coming yeah. up on a whole year of this thing. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, that the the reason for for bringing that up uh, is we're in this season right now uh, at the be- very beginning of a season called Lent. Yes, we are in the Christmas calendar. Christian uh, and Lent, not Christmas and Christmas. Either uh, one, the, the Christian calendar, <laughs> uh, and and Lent is this time of forty days uh, prior to Easter, and and it represents the forty days that Jesus went into the desert um, to prepare for his ministry, which which patterns after the 40 years that the uh, Israelites spent in the wilderness uh, following the Exodus, which is also kind of connected to the 40 days and nights that uh, Noah was in the ark when it was raining. He was actually in the ark like 150 days, 180 days, yeah. but the, it rained for 40 days. You think your quarantine is long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, Actually, we've been... We've A been lot longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I had it easy. Oh, I got uh, sad now. The the uh, um, but the, the oftentimes as practiced, uh, Lent has turned into a season for many people, a season of um, giving something up, mm-hmm. and so like they give up ice cream or give up chocolate or soda or or swearing or <laughs> something like that uh in a penitential way and especially when i was a kid growing up it was all my catholic friends were like real adamant about like you got to give something up for for lent and i was like i'm protestant i don't have to give anything up and then later realized like no it's just like it's a it's a christian practice it's just the catholics are real good at kind of the practice part and protestants are real good at not doing stuff right and uh we haven't met um, a rule that we can't break (laughs) yeah or just ignore We're, we're great at ignoring uh the norms of of uh orthodoxy so uh that's uh, it has in recent years turned into, maybe not in recent years, but there's been a big push that feels like more recently to rather than giving something up, why don't you take something on, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that that's really clear. And so during those 40 days, a lot of times people will try to do something new or try to learn something or try to take on like a spiritual practice like devotions or or prayer or things like that. And I think that that's the way to, to do it, that life is not about subtraction, it's about addition. And then what God is asking us to do is is less about taking things away and more about adding things. And sometimes we have to turn stuff off in order to, to focus on certain things. So if you imagine, like, if you're reading a book but you have the TV on, it doesn't mean the TV is bad, right. but it's not good for you reading the book. And so you'll probably get a whole lot more done if you turn off the TV. You'll probably be able to write a paper better if you turn off the music you're listening to or ter- put on some quieter music or something like that. And so Lent is a time about being mindful in your focus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Sarah reminded me uh, a couple years ago, I gave up coffee for Lent. Uh, and she said, are you going to do that again? And I said, no, that was the most miserable <laughs> I've ever been as a human ever. Uh, there was something to be said for um, that first cup of coffee on Easter morning like having gone without for so long and then like that particular cup of coffee, like spending the morning grinding fresh beans and like really taking the time with it and like savoring it and enjoying it. But now I'm back to just drinking it. You Like, I don't know that I grew a whole lot just cutting out that, that particular thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it went well, away. And I think that that's, and that's like, the, the pushback against the, I'm just giving something up because it doesn't change you. Right. And it and it, it and it doesn't there's well, there may be kind of some fleeting spiritual moment to be like, wow, this is such a great gift. But then it's like, thank goodness I never have to. And even your your reaction now, like you, you giving that up again. Never will yeah. I give that up again like that. Uh, while that you do have an appreciation for coffee that you maybe didn't have before. 
God's not just trying to get us to just say, wow, thanks. Like the, it's, it's about how do we use this time to be intentional about getting better. Yeah. Um, it often coincides with um, this beautiful thing, which is one of my favorite things, which is spring training. Yes. And so spring training in baseball, uh, my friend Scott Hauser uh, always would every year, uh, a great friend of mine um, who, who passed away a couple of years ago, actually today was the day he passed away, um, mm. was three years ago. Um, and uh, he uh, was always made a, made a point of saying today is the, the, uh, the four best uh, words in the English language, pitchers and catchers report. And it always marked the beginning of the of the baseball season, and it was a time like that. Spring training is this time of preparation. It's mm -hmm. this time of of getting ready for the thing. And whether that's like in in high school when I was in plays and stuff, uh, like the the practices leading up to the performance, like you're doing it for the performance. But the practices are really just as like they're also fun and yeah. they're really important. And it's important that you focus in that time because the times when people. I always, uh, whenever I see musicals and things like that now, high school productions or, or things like that, I always, uh, whenever there's big dances uh, with like 20 people on stage, my favorite thing is to watch, try to find the kid who was goofing off during practice <laughs> because it was always hilarious yep. to not take it seriously until you have to be on stage performing it for real. And then Sheer you feel panic. like an idiot. And like, I know exactly what that felt like. And so fine. And you can always find them too. It's like, it's al almost always a, a guy who is towards the back yep. who they they would keep him out if they could but it's a high school program and they can't and he is looking to his left and right and he's a half step behind everybody and you can tell the look on his face is like i should have paid attention but i was too busy goofing off and making jokes when we were supposed to be going through this stuff you can find the very same thing in marching bands across this great nation oh, oh yeah. yes oh absolutely and it was me yeah. i was that guy yeah so so uh, this year in particular, and I want to I want to come back to using it as practice for something, because um, I think I have a very big question mark at the end of that, particularly given this Lent. Um, but the two practices I'm doing this year that I think are very exciting, uh, one I stole from How I Met Your Mother, which how could you go wrong adopting a spiritual practice from How I Met Your Mother? Mm -hmm. There was mm -hmm. a, a stretch of that show where Barney wore the same tie for like, like a terrible yellow rubber ducky tie for like 10 episodes or something like that. Did they point it out or he just, yeah. it just happened? It was like some sort of, like he's, you know, in the show very, this is the Neil Patrick Harris right. uh, character on the show. Total ladies man. Right. And could get women all the time. And someone I think dared him. Like you couldn't possibly get dates with this mm. tie on. He's like challenge accepted and just wore the tie. I will be wearing a tie every day of Lent in Lent. We wear ties. A very specific tie? No, it could or be just any, any, any tie. tie. I have a closet full of ties oh, that have been given to me over the years that I never, ever wear. Yeah. And I think something about, like, I'm all about big reminders. Like, if you if you can't remember something, just do something so out of the ordinary to remind yourself. Yeah. Like, leave the TV remote yeah. on the toilet. Like, why is that? Yeah. Oh, because I was supposed to record that. I think if yeah. I wear a tie every day that is so, I like. If that was your example. Leave the TV remote on the toilet. That's, that's happened that's before. <laughs> It's happened to me. It hadn't been on purpose. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Like, where's the remote? Oh, why, why did I bring it in there? What's going on? But I think that'll shock me out of, you know, normal routines to say, this is a different season. Like, what are you doing? The other so even on pure days off, Ty? 
No, I don't think so because I still have oh. children, and that's that's there's a you certain should do level. it, but in like cool dad, cool untucked dad kind of way. Oh man, like casual like Matt Pinfeld uh, on on MTV kind of way. <laughs> that's that's tempting. That's tempting. Yeah. You should try it at least. Like, just we'll try. I mean, do it to keep the streak we'll until until the day when you don't need to, and then be like, I, I'm I'm a I'm a grown man. I can do what I want. We'll tr- we'll try it out this weekend and see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the other fun thing I've done, and I can't wait to see how this goes. Father James Martin, a great theologian, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. on Stephen Colbert the other night and yes. announced that for Lent, he has a Jewish friend uh, that they're like best friends, and he has given the Jewish friend permission to tell him what he is giving up for Lent every year. So like Ash Wednesday, this friend calls him up and is like, you are giving up whatever, you know, chocolate or whatever. Yeah. I have given Ed Sutter permission to call me tomorrow morning on Ash Wednesday and tell me what I'm giving up for Lent. I hope it's coffee. I'll be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be so mad. That actually leads me to my second question. Uh, Back to, Viewing Lent as a, and this might be super deep and esoteric, I, I don't know, um, but if Lent is the preparation season, a la marching band or, or a musical production or whatever, particularly this year, as we're starting to see vaccines roll out, we're starting to see numbers decline in COVID. You, you can see light at the end of the tunnel of the pandemic in a way that we haven't in a while. It's not to say like go maskless and go crazy, but like, you could see this thing coming to a close. What is it we're preparing for? I mean, what is it that, that this season is meant to mm. get us ready for as a church, as individuals? If this is practice, practice for what? The pandemic time or the Lent time? Well, either one. I mean, I think yeah. the whole pandemic can be that stand-in, but I think particularly yeah. like Easter is April 4th. I think the world will look even way different on April 4th than it does right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I th- absolutely. I think that we will be light years ahead of even where we are now. So, like, what are we getting ready for? Uh, and, and if we don't have a mind to that, I think that's kind of a, a missed opportunity, you know? Well, and that's kind of the hoped-for question every year, is that especially around Christmas and Easter are two of the hardest seasons in some ways because people are so used to it and they're they're the most going through the motions, not because they're trying to, but because we kind of we're not surprised by these stories. And both of the stories hinge on surprise. Right. And so it's like watching a movie with a twist or a scary movie for the 50th time. It's not scary. You may be impressed by the craft, but you're not like, oh, I didn't I didn't expect that. I never saw that coming. I didn't, I didn't think that the Joker would uh, put the umbrella around the Catwoman and tell her goodbye like that. I was not expecting that. Yeah. And uh and and so to be surprised on Easter Sunday when Jesus is alive is really uh, it's like someone being surprised that that Luke uh, that that Darth Vader is Luke's father right. at this point like that seems a shocking thing in our culture when you encounter someone who's legitimately surprised by that and you go what you didn't know yeah even if you haven't seen Star Wars that's kind of like the thing like that's the whole the one quote that everybody knows yeah if Muppet it's Babies are spoofing everybody. it everybody knows it you know like yeah 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 exactly and so. That, um, because of that, it is very much, while the whole season is preparing for a savior that is different than what we expect, it's hard to do when Easter happens the way we expect it to happen. Yeah. 
And in some ways that the, the greatest gift that we have had over this past year has been the pandemic. Yes. Um, not in terms of any, I mean, that's not to, to downplay the death or the, the illness or any of the, the negative things. So, I mean, this is, this is silver lining talk, but I think that it is an opportunity for the church to not be able to do the expected. And we've had a year to do this and we are terrible at this. Like yeah. we are chomping at the bit to get back to the routines, to get back to the, the normal, comfortable, everything. And both the, the parishioners who that's kind of, we come to church to be comfortable, but also the leaders, which is more disheartening, who are really, who lament, like when you hear pastors talking to each other, we will always say like, ah, oh, I wish I could just get my church out of this rut, or I wish, wish people were interested in doing this. I wish we wouldn't have to spend so much time focused on this stuff. And we've had a year where we, it was like a gift for us where we, we didn't spend all the time focusing on the strawberry festival or the other things that got in the way or who, where these church, where these tables go or which committee can have this thing. Like we couldn't do that. And so what have we done? I don't know. That's yeah. the question. Like what has your church done in lieu of that? And for many of us, we have just lamented that we, we have been the kid in the back of the car saying, are we there yet? Yeah. And I feel like we're still doing that and Lent coming at what is hopefully towards the end of this process, what feels like it's towards the end of this process. Lent is an opportunity for us to, as you said, ask ourselves what we are preparing for. What have we done with this time? And what can we do with the time that we have? Yeah. And it's not as though, I think on April 4th, Jesus is going to f actually return this year. Like, I don't think that it's not like we're waiting. Like maybe this is the year that it's all going to end. Like, I don't think that that's going to happen. First of all, will, I'll be super pissed. Uh, <laughs> if, if, <laughs> cause you will have not had coffee. This whole time. <laughs> that if we have gone through a year of not being able to do anything. And then at the very end of it, Jesus comes back and we, I'll be a little upset about that. I wait. I want to roll through that scenario where yeah. Jesus shows up and you're like, Oh, come on. <laughs> Not yet, Jesus. I just like wanted to go to one more hockey game. I want to see, yeah, I want to see <laughs> that Jesus is like, here we go. Let's new heaven, new earth. It's like, no, no, come on. Like that, that to me is the, the that's a, a only, image. only I could find a way Howdy to be Jay. grumpy <laughs> about Jesus coming. Ah, but no, that too is, early. I, I think, you know, to, to not over theologize. The oh, I, I don't think we've done that. No, no. But, like, yeah. I, I think the church is coming to a resurrection point uh, because – and if you, there are pieces of me that get caught in this, too. But, like, if you think we're going back to the way it was before the pandemic, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not going to be like that anymore. Um, oh, but people will desperately try. They really I will. Think, I think – Churches will, there will be, th that will be a new form of church is the, the, the section of churches that are desperately trying to recover what they were. Yep. And I think I've got, you know, kind of the bonus gift in the pandemic of having switched churches in the middle that like, mm -hmm. I don't know what this church used to be like. Yeah. Uh, so like, but I can still feel even now my guys, my congregation starting to like rubber band back to, yeah oh, well, let's do that event because that worked two years ago. Let's do this. Let's do <clears throat> This is an opportunity to build the thing that we've been complaining doesn't exist yet yeah. for a long time. Uh, well, and that's, I mean, that, that's that's human nature is that we, and, and again, church is a, is a 
is a sanctuary for us emotionally and spiritually. And so we want to be comfortable and, and we are comfortable in places where we are the most, where we are the least challenged. Mm-hmm. So even though we know that church should be challenging and we want it to be challenging, we don't really want to be challenged okay. because we're challenged by the rest of the world. We just want a place where we can sit and feel comfortable right. uh, and, and not have to worry and just get kind of chicken soup for the soul. And, and that's, that's nothing wrong with that. Right. But there, unless that's all the church is, right. if the church is just a, a warm uh, getaway where you can just not like, where you can pretend like the world doesn't matter for a little bit. Like that's not good. Yeah. And I think that we are, we are certainly, as you said, uh, that the church will never be the same. And I think that that's, we've been at the, at the precipice of this for a while, that the church that was in Western, in Western Christianity, American Christianity, which is kind of, that's the framework we're always working with. Western white American Christianity, because I know the black church is very different too. But the, uh, um, the, the, where the church has been, the status quo of the church has shifted over the last 40 years, Mm -hmm. uh, where the church was an institution within the culture. And now the culture doesn't really see the need for that. And the church has not adjusted. The church definitely catered to what the culture wanted from it, which was a, uh, a place for kind of um, c- citizenry, a place on Sunday morning to do this thing and to organize and to help. And it was a, it, it was a civic place where people could meet together to do things. And, and it still kind of serves those purposes, but the church needs that less. We've now got, uh, the community needs that less. We've got community centers. We've got kids uh, soccer classes. We've got uh, all kinds of things that, that meet the needs of all that other stuff. And we have downplayed the spirituality aspect of it and now it's to the point where people are like well i don't why do i need spirituality and the church says i I don't know well like we have forgotten to tell them why and then we double down now yeah and and we 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 cater to entertainment right like so you know how many people come to our churches like oh man that's that preacher's really funny Mm -hmm. i can't compete with jim gaffigan or you know somebody that's actually funny like that's not if that's the path that the church is going to choose to go down you're going to fail every time because there are yeah. infinitely more entertaining options out there. Well, and it's, I mean, it's the same with music and with everything like that, that the goal shouldn't be to be the best, best rock show or the, or the most entertaining or any of these things. And there's nothing wrong with being entertaining, but that shouldn't be the goal. Like right. that's, we, our goal is to proclaim the gospel and to help people understand God and to understand each other better. And if we can do that in a way that's entertaining, that's even better because yeah. that's like, we learn better when we enjoy what we're learning about. But the goal of the church is to learn and then to do like it's not just those two things. And for the longest time, the goal of the church, I think to many people outside of the church and by the function of those inside the church, the goal of the church has been to exist. Yeah. And that is not why we're here. And when you're here just because you need to be here, that doesn't really make any sense. And that's very much. uh, I mean, it's like like the coal industry right now. Yeah. The coal industry, we've all kind of recognized that there are less, there are more efficient ways to fuel things that we, it's, it's, it's running out. It kills the people who are doing it. It's an industry that we have kind of been able to move past technologically. And yet it still, still out there. It's such a big industry in these certain populations that it wants to be there. And so now it continues to exist basically just to exist, even though we all know it's not going to be here in 50 years. Like it just isn't one way or another. And that's kind of where the church is. And we need to not be, we're never supposed to have been that, but we have become that 
in the, in the Western culture. And, 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 and this is why, again, I think Lent is such an important season is because the, the distinctions you're talking about or that we're talking about are so razor thin. Um, yeah. Even that line, the, what you were just talking about, I had a line in the sermon. I always get weird when I get proud of one of the lines I wrote, but like one of the lines I gave in the sermon recently was the church doesn't exist to keep the doors open. The church exists to open the doors. Yeah. Uh, and, and like that is such a subtle mental shift of like hashtag when, PJ. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's such a tiny little thing of like, are there entertainment aspects of what we're doing? Absolutely. Are we called to be entertainers? Not at all. Right. Do we, do we need to keep the doors open? Sure. Is that why we're here? Not even close. Right. Like, so no. like you're talking about a razor thin margin of attitude and again, coming into this season of Lent, this is a good time to start focusing on those subtle, tiny shifts in thinking of, you know, wait, why are we really here? Why are we doing this? Why, why do we exist in the first place? Uh, what, are we, what are we here to do? And how does anything we're currently doing actually facilitate that? Well, and it's that. It's, it's the it's purpose. Yeah. Like, what is the purpose for what we're doing? And if you, if the purpose for what you're doing is simply to be here to do it, like it, it, then that's not a purpose. Right. And it's the same thing like you giving up coffee. What was the purpose of that? If the purpose was just so that you could one day drink coffee again and be unchanged, like then that serves that serves a little purpose that you now slightly appreciate coffee more, but it, it didn't change your life. No. Your life, other than to make you say very clearly, I will never do that again. It's like, well, why don't you try this terrible thing? You might like it. And then you'd be like, well, no, I, I don't like tiramisu, but I tried it, which is not a bad thing. So there's nothing wrong with that. But that shouldn't be how your faith operates. Right. It shouldn't be like, well, I'm trying this one thing just because I'm supposed to. And that's so much of what we do in the church, whether we identify it specifically this way or not, often functions as we're doing this because this is what we do. Yeah. And we don't know why we do it other than because it's what we do. And that's to the point of that's like, why does the church exist? Because the church needs to exist. Well, what if the church wasn't here? Well, then the church wouldn't be here and everything would fall apart. Would it? Would it? Yeah. And why? Like that. And uh, I, I am very much an advocate for saying the church should be here, but the church shouldn't be here for the reasons that it has been. I'm also very much an advocate for... Uh, taking Lent seriously, taking on practices, even uh, take like putting away things right. like coffee or, or whatever, but doing it for a reason that means something rather than just to get through it. Well, I think if I could go back in time, what was this, like five or six years ago to the Jay that gave up coffee, he would say <laughs> at the time, the reason I gave it up was I want to get things that take the place of my relationship with God out of the way, right? Yeah. So like yeah. if I'm leaning on coffee to get through the day, Maybe don't do that. Lean on uh, you know, God. First of all, I can't do my Bible reading in the morning without coffee. So I can make the exact opposite argument that that like coffee enhances my relationship with God. But in this conversation, if that's the goal, is to take away the things that are getting in the way of your relationship with God. It's not coffee. It's not chocolate. It's not junk food. It's some of the practices, not all, but some of the practices within the church that are getting in the way of what our relationship with God looks like. Yeah. So what's it look like to give up caring what the biggest donors thinks in your congregation, right? Because, like, who cares? Uh, yeah. what, what does it look like to start focusing more on being a good neighbor in your community rather than trying to get people to show up to your programs? You know, like, there, 
that's that's a harder thing to define than just I'm giving up chocolate or I'm going to wear a tie every day. Yeah. But again, thinking as a pastor and a church leader, like that's that's where the fruit is to get out, get rid of the stuff that's not helping the relationship with God at all and start leaning into the purpose of what God has called us as a community to be. Yeah. Well, and so many of those things that we give up aren't inherently bad things. Uh, I think that that's the, the, like, obviously there's certain things we should give up. We should give up being mean. We should give up like hating people or I mean, swearing if you do it in a, in a, in a mean way, you know, right. in a way that, that's hateful kind of stuff like that. Overeating like that, all the vices. Um, I feel attacked, but the, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, so there are a lot of things that we do that are good, but don't have purpose. And so they take away a lot of our energy. Right. And so the fact that you're drinking coffee again is not a failure. No. When you drink coffee, I mean, the, again, that's kind of the best case scenario that by giving it away, you found its purpose because it had lost its purpose. Right. And I, th- to me, to bring it all back around the bend to the, the quarantine being a gift that we as a church have had the opportunity to see what we are when we aren't doing stuff. Yep. And for many of us, I think we have found we aren't really sure what we are apart from the stuff we do. And especially when the, that stuff, a, a lot of churches do specific ministries that are helping people and have been able to do that. And they've kind of hung their hat on those. Like we have a really strong preschool that has been a huge help during the pandemic because it's a, um, it's a, a childcare as well. We've been able to do it, operate it in a safe way that's been helpful for parents and been really, really safe. And like no one's gotten sick and they've done a great job and everything like that. But that has been kind of our shining star throughout this pandemic of saying like, here's what we provide. But there are so many other things that we put our energy to that when they are taken away, what difference did it make? And that's not inherently a failure of those things, but it does demonstrate how much energy the church overall puts toward things that when they're gone, it's you can see kind of the impact that it that it's like uh, in Jenga, you know, the game Jenga Mm -hmm. that there's all these uh, all these blocks of wood and every once in a while you get one of those sweet ones like right in the middle that you poke it and just shoots right out yep and it was like it this piece did not matter at all no and it looked like it did but it came out so easily that i could have just like blown on it and would have shot right out and there are so many things in the church that we do that we are so dead set are these are these are structural foundational things that have to happen and then when we took them out because of the pandemic, they come out so smoothly. There's like no one even noticed that we didn't have vacation Bible school this year or something like right. that. Right. Well, I think the the analogy I have in that it, it's so one of again one of my pandemic vices has been I'm really started to get into watches, like looking at watches, collecting watches. Like Ooh. it's fun. I can't afford this hobby at all, uh, but it's it's fun. Like looking at watches online or just like walking out with the people and like checking the time. There is a whole like surreptitiously community of YouTubers who do nothing but talk about watches, which sounds watches and tennis shoes. Like if you if you want to be surprised by a culture you did not know about, check out people like and people will spend thousands of dollars inordinate watches and tennis shoes. Yeah. And and either you're like, of course, duh, everybody knows that. Or you're like, no, they don't. Yes, they do. A thing that should cost probably 50 bucks. Like I would say. A watch and shoes, $50. Like, I think that's anything more than that is probably more than I need. And even $50 is kind of on the higher end that I want to spend. But to people who love watches and, and shoes, $50 is obscenely cheap. Yeah. 
for yeah. what they want to spend That's on these things. But so I have fallen off the deep end of this watch YouTube world. And there's this one particular YouTuber who shall remain nameless who reviews watches but spends half of his video, three quarters of his video, talking about the packaging and, and like the branding. And yeah. I can't help but every time he does it go, who cares? You're mm. going to take it out of the packaging. You're going to throw it away. Like it doesn't matter what packaging is. Unless it's unless it's uh, packaging for an Apple phone. Even then, I don't I, care. I still keep all the boxes. Oh, I still have them because I just think the box is so good. It's like, what am I going to do with this? I don't know. It's so nice. I, they did such a good job with it. <laughs> but I think to that point, like what's inside is what's important. And packaging does its job, right? It gets you the product, how it needs to get there, keeps it safe and tr- shipping and all that stuff. But you're just going to throw it away, and it's not going to matter. It's the product inside that counts. Yeah. I think if the pandemic has taught the church anything, it's that we strive for connectional relationship. And this whole pandemic, we've been forced to throw the packaging away. Yeah. You can't have VBS. You can't have your fellowship lunches. You can't have your Sunday school. And we as church leaders have been desperately trying to find ways to get the connectional piece together. So maybe when we come back, (laughs) stop focusing on the delivery vehicle for the relationships that you're craving and just put it out there. You know, like just let's just get together, hang out. What are we going to do? Who cares? Let's just get together, hang out. You know, I think there's there's a lesson in there to be learned about, you know, where again, like to your point, how much time are you going to spend? Yeah. Planning the social dinner when all you need to do is have people come over and hang out for a couple hours, you know? Yeah. And putting all like all, all this energy into a thing that 20 people show up for and and half the people are working. Right. And so they don't get to enjoy it. And, and or you could put a third of that energy into a, a thing where you just say, hey, let's come. We'll pop some popcorn and then we'll like throw some board games down and have a chat. Yeah. And if you get 15 people who show up for that. It may feel like a failure, but of those 15 people, probably only two of them had to set up the chairs and everybody else just had a nice time like that, that those relational things, like you said, that is what we have been missing. And the hard thing is going to be, and especially for us as leaders in the church is to keep people away from the desire to, to pick back up and be like, "Ah, well, now we, how do we get people back in the church? Well, it must be all of the things we were doing before that weren't working. Like that's the let's start doing those things again. Like no, yeah. it's a it's our chance to. And if we just if we got if we get ten people in a room who just talk for an hour, and maybe it's about God or maybe it's just about Wandavision or whatever. Yeah. Like that's those relationships, and that's that's fine. Uh, and you I you can have unstructured stuff, and that's fine. And I think actually, truth be told, in the in the couple months coming after the pandemic's demise we might actually stand a chance to pull in more people who are just thirsty for relationship. Like the church may, if we can demonstrate that we are open to it rather than saying, please come and build our church back up. Right. No, like nobody wants that. I I mean, it's got, it's, it's got to be, please come so that we can invest in you. Uh, you know, if you've been, or please come be part of this thing we're doing. Yeah. That costs you nothing and offers you something. Yeah. Like that, or they they cost you very little. Cost you presence. That's all. It all we ask is that you be here. Yeah. And then we will also be here with you. Rather than, oftentimes we say we want you to be here, and then when you get here, we're not even here with you because we're so busy 
in the kitchen doing the stuff or making sure this or like taking down your number or making sure that we greet everybody or like doing we're not being present in the right. way that we would if we just invited someone over to our house and so man if that's the thing we're practicing for this lent looks a lot different than other lents you know like this is not the give up the chocolate give up the coffee this is what does it look like to get back to the basic blocking and tackling of Christian faith, because that, that's what we're called to. Jesus never established an institution. Jesus grabbed 12 guys around him and said, let's have breakfast. You know, like, yeah. that's the church. And then in the end, like, he didn't even really tell them how to do it. He's like, okay, now go do it. Here's and your, they're like, well, what do we do? He's like, just do it. Here's your four-point plan on how to grow a church. No, yeah. just go talk. Yeah. What do we do? I love, yeah, what did we do? You know, like, you saw me do it. Like, just do that. It's like, well, what did you do? See ya. Like, <laughs> Help! You were the you were the son of God. What are you talking about? What's Just do what on? you do. Yeah. yeah, we weren't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> we are the guys in the chorus line that can't get the dance straight. What are you? Doing? Yeah, we were goofing off during practice. <laughs> Please send us someone to 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 teach us the moves. So have a good Lent, everybody. Uh, I for Twitter for Twitter and uh, and uh, Instagram and all the social medias. What what are you giving up or picking up for Lent? And and related question: What do you hope the church becomes on the other side of it? Uh, whether you are a leader of it or not, um, what do you where do you hope this thing's going? Yeah, I mean, a further extension of that of those two questions is: What are you giving up or taking up as a result of the pandemic? Mm. Like both in the now and in the 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 aftertime. Yeah. When we are when we are past all this, what do you hope to have retained from this time, and what do you hope to have? Uh, what would you like to to leave behind? Amen. Uh, maybe things that you haven't been able to do for a while that you're done with, or maybe things that you would like to stop doing that you've been doing over the last year. Yeah. Anything to plug? Man. Okay. So it's coming in. A, I don't remember if I plugged this in any of the previous episodes that we've done, um, but I know. Our good friend, Reverend Carl, wants to come on, and I badly want to have him on to have this conversation. Get the new Five Iron Frenzy album. It is called Until This Shakes Apart. It is phenomenal. Uh, I I think I said when when it first came out that, like, I'm such a super fan, I had to try and balance. Is this the best thing they've ever done, or is it just new? And it's a proper Five Iron? Like, it's not Grave St. Saturn or something like that? Full on. And I would even say more ska than they've been in a long Ooh. time I'm looking up I'm trying to figure out so like the new 5 iron when it came out it just tells me 2021 I think it came out like the second week in in January and when it hit the when I was doing the first listen through lyrically I was like did they write this about the capital insurrection and then just publish it like it's that they didn't but it's that timely yeah. to what's going on in the country from a Christian perspective that it's great. Just great. I'll have to check it out. I'm, I'm excited. We will we'll have uh, 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 Carl on here pretty soon. Yeah. We have him on, on tap to talk about something else here pretty soon. So we have some, come we, up we have some guests in the queue that are, that oh, are exciting. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, you also wanted to plug the uh, Food Fighters? Yeah, Food Fighters is great. Minutes to Midnight? What is it? Uh, Merchants of Venice? Medicine at midnight. There we go. I will plug the show uh, WandaVision. Yeah. Uh, again, and I will also plug the show Night Court that I am still watching. 
I am I am now in season seven of nine. Uh, watch it almost every night. Uh, it is uh, not a good show, <laughs> but it it is uh, very eighties, very problematic, uh, very pretty misogynistic in the way that almost every. 80 show was uh but very stupid and fun and, and sweet in its own way uh i wish anybody else could watch it it's not streaming on anything um because i do want to talk about it with all kinds of people and have all kinds of intellectual conversations about the pluses and minuses of night court because i've put the work in but uh this is just my own thing that i'm doing watching night court here, here. This is funny. Uh, I, I've been, I, I enjoy. I use Apple Music as my preferred music listening, and I know Spotify fans are gonna throw stuff at me, but whatever. Uh, I love looking at my recently added in my library, so it's just all over the place. Medicine at Midnight, Foo Fighters, OK Human by Weezer, which we're gonna have to discuss at some point. It was so close. It was so close. Yeah. Well, and it, it's like, I think it's like four or five songs in there, and you're like, oh, this is really good. And then it does a song about a tree, or a song about, what's the song about? The piano. The piano. Oh, man. It starts off, I couldn't even, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't like Weezer. Like, <laughs> it, 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 they had done four songs, like, this is actually pretty good. This is, man, I, I've been waiting for this album for a while, and then the piano song came on, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't like this thing. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, it was, uh, it made me listen to, I went and listened to The Rentals, Better Weezer album. Better choice. Um, yeah. Yeah. By, it's not my favorite, but it's the best Weezer album that, that they know. Yeah. Uh, the new Miley Cyrus record, because Rolling Stone told me it was good, <laughs> I felt lied to. I, ha- I have no response to I, that. I can't return the things that I add to my Apple library. So like, I want to go back angry. You got to try it, though. You got to try it. Some... You don't know if you like tiramisu until you try it. Life's a journey. Uh, John yeah. Baptiste, who Ooh. did part of the soundtrack to Soul, he's yes. got a new album coming out, and his first single, if you listen to it once, it will be in your head for six to seven nice. months afterwards. It's so good. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, St. John, also picked up from Rolling Stone. Kind of a hip-hop. Uh, very good, very good. And John Foreman has a new album. Oh, hey. And it's also really good. Oh, really, really good. Lots of good music lately. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. cover all of that in depth at some point, I'm sure. So I will, uh, a couple more things I would plug. I would plug, uh, oh, I had it. Um, right before, oh, I would plug TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is super fun. How I had to take it so off my phone thing? again. Oh, because it's great. I had to take it off my phone because it was really, it was taking over my life. Well, no, I recognize uh, it's great, but how is it? Wasn't it banned? By Trump. Like, it well, yeah. was not, it wasn't a real thing. <laughs> like that. It's like a Fisher-Price presidential order or something Yeah, like I mean, and it's, yeah, it's problematic, but no worse than Facebook or Google or any of that stuff. Like, there, it's so, so much, because it's owned by China, it's like, they're spying on us. Like, we have Facebook spies on us every day. Yeah. And, like, we put microphones in our rooms and call it uh, Alexa and it's there to listen to us all the time I had to be very aware of the fact that she was going to respond to me I, I said her name she sh- who shall not be named in a sermon uh, which is being live streamed at everybody's house now and like four people texted me or like it started listening nice. to you well on that note I've been Jay and I've been Tyler and this has been Roughing the, the Pastor. Pastor. See y'all next time. Alexa, bookmark Roughing the Pastor as my favorite podcast ever.
Hey.